my, my job is to somehow make them curious enough or persuade them by hook or crook to get more aware of themselves and where they came from and what they are into and what is already there and just to bring it out. This is what compels me to compel them. And I will do it by whatever means necessary. Welcome to the Black Girls Heal podcast, where we talk about healing our intimacy disorders, unresolved trauma, and building a healthy relationship with first ourselves and then others. Every episode, we will talk about advice you can apply today to break unhealthy patterns and grow in your self-worth. I'm Sheena Lachey, love addiction coach and trauma specialist. Let's begin. Hello, hello, and welcome to the latest episode of Black Girls Heal. So I am very happy to be with you today. Today, we're going to be talking about the importance of listening to your leaders, but following your gut. So if you're someone who listens to this podcast, or really probably most podcasts, you are most likely someone who really wants to learn that you see the value in taking in the wisdom from teachers, from healers, from professionals, from experts to help better your life in all corners of your life, whether or not it be spiritual or emotional or relationship-based or self-love, money, business, you know, leadership. You know, there are so many different amazing teachers in this world who give us incredible guidance from their expertise, from their experience, from their testimonials, from divine guidance. If it's something that, if it's a teacher that is spiritually led, right? And they build, because they are so good at what they do, it builds a lot of trust. It builds a lot of, um, not dependence. I think trust really is the best word. We build a lot of trust in, and what they bring to the table and that we can take what they say and use it as, as a direction for our next step. However, there are some times that we will have messages from teachers and we will have things that are being told to us that is really important for us to use discernment. And the discernment is not because what they're saying is not true, but what they're saying may not be true for us in this season or at all. And if we're not good at discerning what is us just being resistant, you know, sometimes we can hear things that we really just don't want to hear because it's a tough message. And sometimes we can be resistant because we're being called to do something else. If we are not clear on what that may feel like or what are some questions that we may need to ask ourselves to make sure that we're not putting pressure on ourselves to do something that would not fit for us, we can really cause a lot of confusion in our life, right? And a lot of frustration in ourselves with why can't we just get on get on the right page or why can't we just, you know, do this thing that we're being that's being suggested for us to do. And maybe it's because it doesn't fit for you. Maybe it's because what this amazing teacher is telling you to do is really really great maybe 90% of the time, but what you're feeling pulled the reason you're pulling against it is because what is in front of you right now is not yours so in today's episode I'm going to share a few examples of times that I've had some really amazing teachers share some things that I thought were for me but they weren't and then I'm also going to share some questions that you can ask yourself to just 
do a spot check to see, okay, is maybe what I'm feeling, is this intuition or is this actually resistance? Is this fear? Is this whatever, right? So let's go ahead and jump on in. Thanks for listening to this week's podcast. Before we get started, let's take a small break to say thank you to this week's sponsors. Okay, so some of you may know that when I was in college, I was in a Christian ministry and I was in it for the majority, for the entirety of my college career. And I loved it. I met some of the most amazing people. I got connected to God and to my spirituality. Uh, I grew so much in my gifts, so much in the Holy Spirit. Like it was just really great. And then when, as I got closer to my senior year, I started to feel this pull to, to do something else. And, you know, I would look back at the first three years of my undergraduate career and, you know, I had all these really great experiences, but something that was really important to me was having a diverse set of experiences. So, you know, I, there weren't, really any other clubs that I was a part of. There wasn't really a lot of diversity in my friend space as far as what everyone looked like and even what they believed and how they showed up. There were some student organizations that I wanted to join that this would have been my last chance. And, you know, there could have been a lot of prestige in there. And there was some interest from the members for for me joining. And there was even a girl, a woman, I should say, but there was a, she was my age. So I'll just say girl for now. Uh, there was a girl who was also a really strong Christian, but she was starting her own uh, individual Bible study. And I just felt so drawn to her. I just felt like she was so connected to her spiritual gifts and her insight. Um, but she was starting the the Bible study on the same day that my ministry at the time was meeting for their weekly Bible study. And I was president. I should say that I was president of this organization at the time. So, you know, I'm thinking, well, you know, I've made this commitment, so I need to stay here. And then I go home during a break and the church that I was going to at the time, the pastor had this message and I'm not going to do it justice, but I'm going to share the main message that I took from it. He had this message that was really talking about how there are people who really need to lead and need to step up and need to, you know, say yes to commitment to, I guess, leading in the church or, you know, being a soldier for God or something like that. But something that was really a a charge to stay commitment and stay faithful and to not get caught up in your feelings and, and, and think that and get all flaky and loosey goosey, but to stay committed to the message and to the gospel and all that other stuff. Right. So that was the message. And then You know, I can say in hindsight now that I was being pulled away from uh, from the ministry and that there were other things that I wanted to do. But I think at the time I was just like, oh, that would have been nice to do. But, you know, I was just thinking, well, I guess I'll just have to stay here. So I hear that message. And then maybe a few weeks later and this, you know, what is time? This was like... A couple, almost a couple decades ago now. So I could, who could tell you how long ago this, uh, how long the time period was? But I'll just say for here, a few weeks later, we were having a leadership meeting, and uh, the campus pastor 
was just speaking around the room and he was saying, you know, if there's anyone in this room who feels like they want to leave or they feel that they feel like there's something else that they feel called to do, then you are free to do it. Again, this is not what this, what he said, but this is, you know, a strong paraphrase. So he says this and me, the number one people pleaser at the time, the number one good student, good girl, person who has this low-key Messiah complex that she has to be there. And not even in the, what would people do without me, but what would people say? Like, it would look like, like how much of a sinner would I be or how shady would it look or how less committed to God and his word would I look like if I left this ministry to go and join this social organization or to, you know, stop going when I'm the president, right? And I could swear, I could have sworn that he looked directly at me, but I was like, that's not for me, it's for someone else, you know? And, you know, of course I was God, Holy Spirit, talking to him, saying it's time for Sheena to go. But I was like, well, it's not me. And I was like kind of clocking. There was like probably a couple other people who that was for, but that wasn't for me. So I stayed in the ministry. I stayed through the end of my senior year and it was not the right decision. I was not happy to go. I felt FOMO and longing and wishing that I would have, um, been able to have the opportunity to try out for these different organizations for me to connect to, to other people, to have certain nights free when there was like a concert or an event, but I couldn't because I was, you know, committed to showing up for God and showing up for other people and being a leader. And I didn't realize that it was the wrong decision until maybe a few months before I graduated and it was too late. You know, those opportunities had passed. And when I reflected on it, I reflected on the fact that what really was one of my motivators too, in addition to the people pleasing and the wanting to, um, you know, not look bad and what would people think kind of thing was this message from this pastor, this pastor that like really literally he was a very, animated and very intense pastor he would walk around the room and like look you directly in your eyes and everything and I remember being like okay I need to you know um tame my flesh and make sure that anything that I'm feeling or 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 being pulled to that is not of God that that is that that is just the enemy right and I was like I don't think that that message was for me I think that that message was for somebody, but I think that that was me trying to do the right thing when I should have done the right thing for me. And that was me and my ooh, 21, 22 year old mind thinking that, right? And of course now I'm like, yeah, for sure. So again, great pastor, great message, but not for me. And then another thing that's a little bit more recent is, you know, I've, I've shared here on this podcast how the teachings of feminine energy has really been an integral part in transforming my life. Learning about those, those qualities or those, um, the concept of soft life, which, you know, when I first started learning about it, it wasn't like a trending term, uh, uh, term at the time. Of course it is now. But when I first learned about it years ago, 
is what really helped me have a North Star in what does it look like to love yourself and to prioritize yourself and to treat yourself um, with more tenderness and more care and more ease and more grace and more flow and more pleasure and more rest. Like I had no concept for what that looked like. And so it really did help me giving me a roadmap and like baby steps that I could chip off at to say, okay, this is what it would look like for me to engage in this part of my identity because the other part of my identity to be very perfectionistic and like work all the time and, um, and, all the other stuff that's related to the opposite side of feminine energy I had mastered and I was good at. So that was really helpful, right? But what goes along with all these teachings is a lot of information about relationships. And depending on who you talk to, sometimes some teachers will talk about you do feminine energy concepts so that you can get a man and get in a relationship. Sometimes people will talk about you're doing it for yourself, but it can be really convoluted. One of the tracks, going back to the relationships that a lot of teachers talk to talk about is when you're in your feminine energy, and if you're someone who's heterosexual, when you're in your feminine energy, and if you're someone who's heterosexual and wants to date and wants to meet a partner, one of the key things for you to pay attention to is they teach a whole different concept when it comes to, to dating that's very different than how um, most modern people will approach dating and one of the concepts is when you meet if you're straight and you meet a man who is really serious about you he's going to know almost immediately when that you are the one and also if he's actually serious he may propose to you very quickly right and of course this is the the there they do not say but I hope you know, at least what I bring to it is you're keeping an eye out for love bombing. You're keeping an eye out for narcissists. You're making sure that this person actually has a true character that lasts past the first two weeks of honeymoon, right? That they are actually who they say they are, right? So with the idea that you get someone who is really true blue and that they're committed to you, you know, there are all the testimonials and all the bragging rights are that, these feminine any feminine energy teachers or dating coaches have clients who get proposed to within five months, two months, six months, eight months, you know, and it is a it is I don't want to say maybe it is a badge of honor. I'm going to say this and if I need to pull it back, then I will. But it is kind of like a badge of honor and showing that, you know, I have become so feminine and I've attracted such an amazing man who was so uh, clear about me that he would know that he wanted me to be his. And of course I chose him back, but look how amazing it is. See how quick it is. See how easy it is. And it's just part of this kind of like lifestyle image. Right? So once I started dating again, I had some of this stuff in my mind, right? Or I had a lot of this in my mind of, moving quickly is okay. And if not even, not only okay, that is encouraged that you don't want to, um, wait too long. Cause there's an idea that if you wait too long, then that means that the person that you're with is not really serious about you. It means that you are, that they're playing games. They are wasting your time that, you know, if someone 
really loves you that they should be able to make that decision now. And if you really love that person, what you actually want is commitment, right? What you actually want is to have a long-term partner. You don't want to be out here in these streets all the time. So, you know, what you want, you don't want to date and have a roster. You want a husband. And so saying yes to this person very quickly is okay and encourage and it's the right thing to do and once you come home to yourself then you'll realize that that's the case right so that's in my mind and like I've shared on this podcast I have been very fortunate in this season of my life where I have met some really incredible incredible men and I've met some very incredible incredible men who are very serious about me um, and treated me like a queen and left me in positions better than they found me. And like, it was just, it's been a really awesome season. There's been ring shopping. There's been all kinds of stuff, y'all. And it's been a really awesome season. And there are two things that I want to say to that. First thing, listening to these types of teachings there was a lot of resistance for me because of my love addictive background, my love addiction background of how quick and easy it is for me or has been for me to fall for someone, how quick and easy it is for me or has been for me to really want to like rush to the end and see someone as a partner and a husband. And I have done so much work and not, not only learning how to decenter men, but to see men as human beings and not as just objects, um, people that I could use for the tool of helping me not feel lonely or feel bad about myself, but to see them as individuals so that I'm not so pressed to look at this person to be a solution to any internal wounds or, or fears or insecurities that I have. And also so that I'm making a conscious decision. You know, my previous main relationship was a very quick turnaround. I got that ring very easily and quickly. And I got that person to um, do the things that I wanted them to do. And if it had been a longer relationship, Lord, if it had been a longer relationship, it would not have progressed to the level that it did. And um, so having that knowledge and knowing that that may work for some people, but for me as a love addict or as a recovering love addict, time is really important and vital for me to make sure that I'm not in fantasy, to make sure I'm not tripping, to make sure that I'm not repeating trauma patterns, to make sure that I'm not rushing to the altar to try to, again, fix this internal fear and need of security and need of safety. Um, but that actually that I'm choosing a partner that actually I want. And not only that I want that actually makes my life better and not that it makes sense on paper or that, um, you know, it's, it looks good on the outside or that it gets me again out of the street. So I don't have to worry about, you know, any foolishness that may or may not be happening. Right. So that was one of the pushbacks that I had for that, knowing what love addiction does. And then also really wanting to um, take my time based on previous relationships. But you kind of can probably guess where this goes. I had more same thing, I had more reliance on maybe what these teachers are telling me is true. Like maybe 
maybe once you get to a place of healing and maybe once you get to a place of self-actualization and ownership, you can see you can see yourself better. You can see that person more clear, clearly, and you can make this decision and it's okay. So I have this in my mind. And as I'm dating these people, especially, you know, as I progress and they get better and better with the, every person that I'm dating, um, I'm like, okay, well, now I have another person who's like, great. They check all the boxes. They are consistent. This is not just in my brain. Um, this like marks my four levels of what it looks like to actually test and approve, um, a person and which I'm going to share later. Um, I'm probably going to create like a bonus lesson for that, but like they mark all these things, like what's, what's the harm. And (laughs) this, this talk that we're having about joining families and marriage and all this stuff, what's the harm in engaging in this and going with this? Because literally it is my list off the box, like checking all the things. Right. So going through this process, what I found is that my internal gut was right. And also what I've told y'all on this podcast was also right, that that you can and you will reach a place where your normal is now great people. Like that is not that it's like, oh, that this is like sparse or it happens every once in a while, but that you're more attuned to people who are nice. And so all the people who come with the bullshit, like you, you see, it's not even, it's not even that you don't ever meet these people. Of course, you know, people who are on some crazy stuff are everywhere. But now when you see them, you don't go weeks and months and years down the road with them because you're trying to give them the benefit of the doubt. Like you see it, you call it, you're like, yuck. And you move around and you don't waste your time. That becomes your normal so that you have more energy and space for the people who are actually good for you and good to you. And and in the meantime, because you have found yourself connected to yourself, you are more content building and creating this life with yourself. Right. So But what I found through this process and through listening to these teachers and being okay with moving faster is that I was right and that it takes time and that you can meet a really amazing person or set of amazing people. But it's only by time and you actually seeing who they are and how they show up that you learn more things. And it doesn't even have to be this earth shattering, like they got a, a secret family in, in Dubai that you didn't know about. Like it doesn't have to be anything like that, but that time shows you as you are, as you are connecting and as you're building life together and as you're seeing more about the values that y'all have in common, as you see it play out, you get more information about what that would actually look like and um, whether or not it is a good fit. And you have more opportunities to have more intense conversations um, to see if it actually works out. And so, um, you know, one of these people, I was at a place to where I was about to join my life with them. And it was, it was, it was at a very serious place. And through time, some of these, these breaks in values, or, you know, values that were aligned with the way that they would play out in real life, and how those didn't fit, those came to the surface. And 
you know, one of the teachers that I um, follow or, yeah, I still follow them. One of the teachers that I take, uh, I listen to their lessons is what I should say. Um, Follow is like a really like strong word, like, you know, like whatever you say, I'll do kind of thing. But I guess I guess maybe that does kind of apply here. But one of the teachers that I really um, um, appreciate their teachings, I had a chance to talk to them about this relationship. And I told them what was happening and I told them who the person was and how the relationship had gone and how it showed up and, you know, what was happening at that time and what had come up. And they were like, well, it sounds like that's just something that um, you could work through, basically. Um, that this was something that was just one of the typical things that could come up in a relationship um, and that you would either be able to wear them down or that they would be able to, um, you know, that you would work it out, that the, the costs, the pros outweigh the costs. And that really messed with me for a minute. And thank God for growth because I really messed with my head for a minute and it made me start to doubt whether or not what I was attuned to that what living in this type of lifestyle would ask me to give up was a complete 180 from the direction that I had been moving towards, right? Still a great person, still really great towards me, still um, someone who I, I would think the world of, but what they wanted And what I wanted did not match. And I had this person saying, well, basically saying, well, this sounds like a part of you that you need to get over because this could, this could, this sounds like this is it. And I had to really, I didn't go back to that relationship, but I had to do a lot of my own self work to be like, wait, just because that's what this person sees or believes does not make it true. And just because that is what they would do does not mean that that's what I would do. And when I tell you the relief that I felt to choose, to choose me and to choose a lifestyle that actually aligned with what made me feel good and made me feel safe and made me feel free, that outweighs any benefit that that relationship could have given me because it would have required me to lose myself and to lose myself for what? Hey, we hope you're enjoying the podcast so far. Let's take a quick break to say thanks to this week's sponsors. As our country continues to grow and make new meaning of the intersection between current and historical events, it is so important to stay connected to the voices and the leaders who are influencing what progress, connection, equality, and truth mean to us as Black people. The next generation of influential Black voices can be found on NPR's new collection, Black Stories, Black Truths. Black Stories, Black Truths is a celebration of Blackness from NPR. Each of NPR's Black voices are as distinct, varied, and nuanced as the Black experience itself. In the Black Stories, Black Truths collection, you'll hear stories of joy, resilience, empowerment, and creating world-shifting things out of struggle. Every episode is a living account about what it means to be Black today told from a unique Black perspective. From Bobby Shmurda to The Wire, Michelle Obama to reparations, there's no limit to the range of Black stories, Black truths. Black perspectives haven't always been centered in the telling of America's story. Now they are the story. 
In NPR's Black Stories, Black Truths, you'll find a collection from some of NPR's best podcast episodes celebrating the Black experience. Here are a feed of episodes from across NPR's podcast that center Black voices. It's NPR Noir. Turn on NPR today and hear a range of voices as varied, nuanced, and Black as the country we reflect. Stories should never be about us without us. Listen now to Black Stories, Black Truths on NPR, wherever you get your podcasts. Bet MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at Bet MGM. Simply download the Bet MGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. When healing from an intimacy disorder, one of the first things you have to do right after getting clear on your patterns of addictive behaviors, avoiding behaviors, and living in deprivation is clearing out the roots that caused it, clearing out the experiences, the traumas, the narratives that have kept you stuck all of these years. In my signature coaching program, The Recovery School, you have the opportunity to reveal the sources of low self-worth, to learn about how old roles in your family have resulted in codependency, shutting down, and not letting others in. And also to learn how to talk to and connect to your inner child in a way that is soothing and healing. This is the next step to reframing the old stories that have plagued you for years to evolve to being a healed and loved woman and having access to the love and the relationships and self-worth that you've always wanted. Learn more and get started by going to therecoveryschool.com. Again, that is therecoveryschool.com. So here's where I'm going to kind of lead into these questions that may be good if there are any teachers or any advice that you've been given, including, you know, on this podcast or otherwise, for you to kind of check yourself and say, okay, this is what this person is suggesting for me to do. And I kind of want to do something else. How do I know if this is actually me and my own inner truth and intuition and inner voice and inner spirit? Or if this is actually something outside of me and external pressure and everything. So the first question for you to ask yourself is, am I doing this because I'm afraid of what other people will think? Am I afraid that other people will think that I'm less evolved, that I'm not as spiritual, that I don't love God as much, that I'm not as mature, that I'm too sensitive, that I'm too needy, that I'm too clingy. If I really assert what it is that I want, and either ask for what I want or do what it is that I want or walk away from something or walk towards something or step out and do something is part of the reason that I am afraid to do it is because according to my counsel, my friend, my pastor, my, my lover, my, my counselor, my, um, my teacher, my mentor, my boss, my supervisor, whoever, whatever may be the, the the voice in your life, your mom, I'm afraid that if I do what they told me that I should not do, or if I don't do what they told me that I should do, that they are going to be disappointed in me and that they are going to think less of me. 
Am I trying to live my life for somebody else's approval? And here's, here is a double gag. I was about to say, here's a gag, but it's a double gag. I think the first one is that one, people don't really care as much about you as you think they do. Meaning that their life does not stop if you make a decision outside of what they believe or what their opinion is. I think especially if you grow up in a very people-pleasing, codependent household where you are forced and groomed to believe that if you act out of line, the whole family is going to stop and everyone's going to be in so much shock and, you know, you have to stay in line or else or whatever it may be. You grow up with this false sense of power that kind of makes you a little bit self-centered in a way that you think that the world is more connected to you than they actually are, which is a really ironic thing to say, because if you struggle with that at the same time, you typically struggle with a lot of low self-esteem too, but it is, um, it's all that complex system of trauma that really makes you feel as if you're trapped and makes you feel as if you cannot step out of line. And um, that just morphs as you become an adult into people pleasing through your actions and through caring what other people think and um, really prioritizing their opinion over what works for you. And so that's the first thing that sometimes we are afraid to choose ourselves because we're afraid that other people are going to like be such in shock and that their world is going to be impacted when come to find out when you make the decision, they actually may have even forgotten that they had that conversation with you. They may be like, Oh, okay. And it'll be totally incidental. They may even forget. (laughs) There is, I'm not going to tell that story. If I want to come back and tell that story, I will tell it later. But that's the first thing. And the second thing is there is not anything that you can do or not do that will make you completely disappointment or rejection proof against the world. And this is a very hard lesson for those who care what people think, for those of us who care what people think, for people pleasers and those who are codependent to, to actually learn when so much of your life and so much of your success has probably been built on being able to be a master of appeasing people and doing the right thing or being above reproach or whatever it may be, or being a perfectionist and always winning and da, 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 da. Um, doesn't matter what you try to do or not do. You are always going to make decisions that someone may have an opinion of. And so living for the world is going to be very disappointing um, every time because one, there's not going to be enough approval that's going to actually make you feel safe and make you feel secure because the call is coming from inside the house. It's coming from your own feelings of lack of self-worth that you're projecting onto other people. So that's why you're constantly looking for other people to tell you that you're enough because you don't feel like you're enough. So it's not that you keep working to be enough and you keep working uh, to be above approach is that you do the work to change those deep core beliefs of how you feel about yourself. That's the only thing that's going to fix it. And it's so hard, but it is so, so necessary. And we can see how fickle the world is through all the people who are consistently being canceled and then they get picked back up by their audience. I think I've shared these examples before of how, you know, I've seen some of like my favorite creators on TikTok who make a mistake. And then the people who, say they love them. Now everybody has to take a moment at chipping at them and telling them how horrible they are. We see with Shakari Richardson, right? Who is like 
I've had the world love me and then I had the world hate me. So now I'm doing things for myself. Right. And I just, I love how she has been very unapologetic about I'm doing these things and I'm showing up for me. So that is, that is the direction that you need to take because once you are your North star, you are going to be set in the right direction. You know, with the ministry example, I already knew what I wanted to do, but I was afraid of what um, other people in the ministry would say. I was afraid of what the pastor would say. I was afraid of what, um, how I would look to other people. I was afraid of disappointing people. I was afraid of like leaving this organization um, and kind of like piecing out in the, in a random time in the middle of the school year. Like it just didn't make any sense outwardly, but it made sense on the inside. And I needed to trust that it made sense. It didn't make sense or it probably doesn't make sense to other people. You know, I was actually in like an accountability group for women who were working on their feminine energy and relationships and stuff. And so while I was in that relationship that was going towards marriage and, you know, I had shared with this group, you know, about where that relationship had gone and, you know, that we were looking at rings and, you know, that, you know, I was invited, I was doing all the family stuff and all this stuff that was going on and how amazing this person was and how they were treating me and just all this stuff. Right. And it didn't make sense to them (laughs) how I had got what all of them were wanting. Like at that point, like I said, that group was for relationships and for dating for, for marriage. And so how I had got the ultimate prize and how I was walking away from it, um, that didn't make sense to them, but it made so much sense to me, right? And it didn't make sense to one of the leaders, but it made so much sense to me. And I I sleep so well (laughs) at night knowing that that is a decision that I walked away from by choosing myself and not doing it to appease other people and worrying about what they think. The second question for you to ask yourself, if you have gotten some insight or some feedback from um, a teacher, you watched a YouTube video or a lesson, or you're reading something in a book and um, just everything that this person has said means a lot to you. So you, you trust it again, right? We're, We're talking about advice that you can trust but if there's ever any nugget or something that you're like huh I don't know right um the second question for you to ask yourself am I feeling tempted to do this thing that goes against what I actually want because I'm afraid of missing out is there any part of me that has this fear that this is my last chance if is there any kind of like lack mentality that if I don't do this now is now or never kind of thing which will rush us to make decisions impulsively that will rush us to do things um, haphazardly or anxiously and kind of like close our eyes and jump. And there's a difference between this is like a big leap for me. This is a big step. I'm stepping into something new. And so there's kind of like this nervous, like anticipation energy. Um, And that's what's making you take that next step um, onto like this little tightrope versus you're at the edge of the cliff and you're like, I don't see another road. I don't see something else in front of me. You know, fuck it. I'm just going to jump. And then you just jump. And it's because you're afraid that there wasn't going to be something that, that, that the path would not appear in front of you. And so it is more reckless 
it is more connected to like you kind of go numb and you kind of like hope it all works out when you're making a decision that's based out of like, this is a new path for me and I've never done this before. And there's excitement, anticipation, you're still connected to your body. You can still feel the butterflies in your stomach. Your eyes are open to see what's going on. You're not just kind of jumping and saying, well, I hope it works out. Um, but you're actually doing an active decision for yourself. You know, for me, growing up in poverty and having a lot of uh, poverty trauma and a lot of, you know, some food scarcity and for sure money scarcity and like opportunity scarcity and not really knowing when the next thing was going to come or having regret on opportunities that maybe I should have like more desperately grasped or, or begged for or worked for or done something for, you know, that was something that led a lot of my internal dialogue when it came to why I couldn't wait for things and why I couldn't be patient because I was so used to, if I don't make it happen, if I don't take this, it's not going to, another one is not going to come. And that showed up in so many areas of my life. It showed up in some career choices. It showed up for sure in some romantic partnerships um, and me trying to work with things that should have never been before. Um, and, you know, in a lot of different areas, but those are the main ones that come to mind right now with, with this episode. But once I started to learn that anytime I have this, this dread that if I don't do this, I'm not going to get another chance. I've made that person and I've made that opportunity. My God, I've deified them and I need to reconnect to the actual source and I need to reconnect to what is actually true and that there is abundance available for me that no one, I cannot lose what is mine what belongs to me and that opportunity and fortune fortune comes in many forms and it could be this or it can be the next one, but I need to be fully connected with confidence, with grace and with security for me to move forward. Now, again, sometimes that fear, you know, it takes time. I'm, I'm going to say this right here. It takes time for you to build discernment into is the fear that I fear that this is something new and anticipation and discovery. And, um, you know, you're used to having control and this is a situation that you're learning how to like let go in some ways. And so it's kind of like you're a fish out of water, like that kind of thing. Like you're the new kid on the block, like you're the freshman, you know, and that's what the anxiety looks like and knowing what that feels like in your body versus, I'm doing this because I'm afraid that there's not going to be another chance and I just have to take what I can get kind of thing. And, you know, I guess I'll just trust it. And kind of like this abandonment of your emotional body, abandonment of your wisdom and kind of just hoping that things work out. You will, t it will take you time to figure out what that is. And sometimes you will be in it and you won't know until you walk through it, which one it was. And so that's okay too for my, healing perfectionists out there who are waiting for that moment in life where you never make a decision that is out of alignment with what you want. Part of the way that you learn what is in alignment with you is by sometimes stepping out and then learning from that. And it's more about what you tell yourself, you, that you tell you that whether or not you tell yourself that this is a part of you learning and growing and that you're amazing and that is okay and everything works for your benefit or do you shame yourself and do you criticize yourself? And then you say, there you go, making foolish decisions again. Um, that's where the actual crux or that's where the actual proof of 
how far you've come may show show at. So that's the second question for you to ask whenever you are being encouraged or an opportunity is even presented in front of you that may make sense to other people. And you're like, do I take this? Do I do this or not? This person really likes me. They want to do this relationship with me. But my gut is like, oh, I don't really like this. That was actually <laughs> one of the people, <laughs> one of the people that I was dating was um, one of those people that he really likes me and he was like a nice guy and I was like "Eh, I really don't like him like he's he's okay but he kind of like gets on my nerves a little bit and I was like you know what no let me just you know he's pursuing very hard and you know he hasn't done anything wrong and you know whatever so I'm just gonna stick this out girl I should have nipped that in the bud and saved myself some distress and some annoyance um I got, I got some fun dates out of it, but still like that, my gut knew that it wasn't going to work. And so, um, (laughs) so that's, that's all I'll say about that situation (laughs) there. (laughs) Um, you do not need to do things just because other people want you to do is the main message of this podcast. Um, and you tuning into what it is that you want to do. And then the third question for you to ask yourself, which kind of relates to, um, the examples from the second one is third question for you to ask yourself is, am I being called to do what hasn't been done before? And is that why this feels different? Some of us are, I think not some of us, all of us in our own ways and in our own pockets are going to be generational curse breakers. We are going to be breaking the patterns of generational trauma, which will require us to do something different than what other people have done before. It's going to look completely strange is going to look weird, is going to look extra, is going to look unnecessary, and they are not going to get it. They're not going to get why you have the boundaries that you do. They're not going to get why you feel the way that you feel. There's not going to be any amount of conversation, of logic, of connection, of books, of PowerPoint presentations, of, you know, bringing them to counseling sessions with you. There's not going to be any amount of recruiting and, um, and, promotion that you're going to be able to do that's going to get them to be on your page and that's going to be okay you are you may be called to either go physically or intuitively or spiritually to places that people before you or around you have not ever been before you may be called to create something that has never been created and there's no blueprint there's no map There's no example that goes before you and it's completely unique. And just because it is foreign and just because it is strange and just because it is um, otherworldly does not mean that it is wrong. It means that you were created for such a time as this, that that is where this purpose is and that it is yours and yours alone. And it is totally okay for you to have that type of divine direction over your life. And it's okay for you to trust it. And it's okay for your source to not be the motivations and the fickle opinions of other people before you to press forward on your own. And of course, the caveat in you trusting yourself and trusting your intuition is always to do a spot check on and whether or not what I want to do and what I'm feeling called to do is it going to put anyone else in emotional, mental, physical, spiritual harm 
Is it going to be detrimental to them? If I'm in a romantic partnership and I'm being called to talk to this other person, right? I'm just feeling so drawn to them. Okay, that might be the case, but for you to not do detrimental harm to this person, you need to break up with the person that you're with so that you can fully explore it without emotionally, physically, spiritually, mentally cheating, sexually cheating on this person that you are in connection with. It doesn't matter how drawn you are to them. Are you creating harm with this, right? Because that's how we can start to um, enable ourselves and, and justify actions that are actually pretty dangerous and harmful. And it, that does stop us from being self-accountable. You know, I think sometimes the reasons why it's hard for us to discern whether or not there's resistance or not is because many of us have gone to a place we've grown enough to where we've become open and teachable. We've realized at our big ages that we don't know everything and that there are people outside of us, no matter where their age or experience is, that may be able to teach us something. So the heart of this podcast being, how do you know when you have gotten guidance or support from someone who you really trust and has really supported you and that resistance that you feel, is it actually you being defensive or is it actually you saying, oh, that doesn't actually fit for me, right? And so that checking whether or not you're doing harm to someone is a good temperature temperature check to see, okay, maybe I am being defensive. Maybe I'm just trying to do this because that's what I want to do, right? Um, and also checking it against codependency as well. So you know, I already gave the example about being in this college ministry and not wanting to leave because of, you know, this felt sense of obligation. But I also felt the same way when I worked in a school system and I was having very severe PTSD symptoms. I was a flood survivor um, the previous year, the year before Hurricane Harvey in Houston, um, where we lost everything, had to be rescued and all that stuff, you know, was having nightmares and tremors every time it rained. Um, every time there was thunder, like I just, it severely affected me. And then the next year, Hurricane Harvey came. And here I was, you know, being charged with taking care of children and families who had also lost everything and having to show up, not having enough time for my own um mental and emotional support and all these things that were being reactivated inside of me. And I stayed, (laughs) I stayed in that job because I was like, there are people who are hurting right now. And you know, how are they going to find another counselor in the middle of the year? And even if they do, like, these are families that I've been with for years and I, and I know them and I know their moms and I know all these other things. And so if I left, my justification was if I left or if I took a break or if I quit, that I would be doing harm and I would be abandoning these people. But me being mentally incapacitated and not able to function was hurting them. You know, my, my same energy wasn't there. I was depressed. I was anxious. I could barely function. I wasn't able to put the energy behind the programs that a healthier version of Sheena would have been able to do before. I should have quit. But I stayed out of this felt sense of obligation, thinking that me choosing me was going to hurt people, again, not realizing that what people needed was a healthy me, right? And so again, this always goes back to you have to be your biggest advocate, you have to be your North Star, there are no extra gifts given out for martyrdom, for for self abandoning, for sacrificing yourself, this has been a lie we've been told, 
and no one is getting anything outside of this, outside of physical ailments, outside of mental illness, outside of an, an loss of relationships, outside of high cortisol levels, like no one is getting anything beneficial out of this, including the people on the other side, unless they're energy vampires and all they want is to drain you and suck you dry until they leave anyways, right? And so um, you taking care of you and you choosing you and doing what you need and what you want is always going to be the right answer, y'all. Always. Um, showing up as your best self is the best gift that you can give anyone so that you can show up fully generous, fully present, fully happy, fully confident. No one wants anybody who feels that they're trapped, that they are being ransomed, that they are being obligated to be there. They want a full, in, full you. And you're the only one who can give that to yourself so that you can give that to others as well. If that's what you want to do. Okay. So I hope this helps. I hope this hit whoever may have needed it in the moment and that you can use this as a guide for the sermon in the future for any big decisions that you may have as you go through life. Again, hopefully everybody around, everyone listening to this podcast has your own set of counselors. In whatever form, whether or not it is your family visit physician, your your dentist, your chiropractor, whether or not it's your business mentor, whether or not it's your friends and loved ones, it is totally okay for you to test what other people are telling you and see if it fits. And it's okay for you to do the opposite. And it's okay for you to choose you. And it's okay for them to not agree with it, right? Um, and if anyone gives you a hard time, and really tries to pressure you and force you to do what they want you to do, red flag. And, you know, we can talk about the red flagginess of that in maybe another podcast episode, or I'm sure I have talked about that before. Um, other people wanting to control you and dominate you and um, holding you hostage. But, but yeah, so that's it for now, y'all. I'm sending you all so much love as you go throughout this week. And I will see you in our next episode. Take care of yourselves.